a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We are in the final hour of this Monday episode of Live Mike, episode number 159. For those of you keeping track at home, uh, 159 days. You and I have gotten together to shoot the breeze and share the news of this great state and this great country together. Uh, And I am so grateful to you for having joined me uh, these now 159 episodes. I want to talk to you now about an ethical question. An ethical debate is playing out across the country and across the world. Uh, I don't need to remind you that we are facing a global pandemic. And our greatest tool to combat this is the development of a vaccine. Yes, I know masks are very important, and they are doing great, great work uh, to propel us forward in the control we are hopefully trying to wrestle away from this pandemic. Masks, hand washing, don't touch your face, social distancing, all that jazz. Keep yourself isolated if you got symptoms. You know, we know what we can do. And there are smart folks off in labs around the world right now racing to develop a vaccine. A a quick bit of history. Uh, Vaccines, vaccines typically take, they can take a decade to a decade and a half to properly develop, to move through all of the, uh, the enormous steps and to clear the enormously high hurdles to bring a vaccine to market. And you and I, we, well, we've become uh, armchair epidemiologists uh, and immunologists, so we know all about this stuff. And what have we learned so far? Uh, we've learned that you start out with a, with a, a group, maybe animals, uh, and after you've developed something for, uh, that, that's a number of years, after you develop something for a number of years, you're developing it uh, and you're testing it on uh, animals and then a small group of people and then a larger group and a larger group, you're ultimately looking for uh, how effective a vaccine is, does it cause any damage or harm, are there side effects we didn't predict, Uh, and is it effective, of course. And when you get down the road far and far enough, then you have to start asking questions about, okay, well, how do we manufacture this thing? And how do we distribute this thing? And what's the cost? And that process, historically, is one that can exceed a decade, a decade and a half. The mumps. There's a vaccine for the mumps, portion of the MMR. The vaccine for the mumps took four years to develop. Four years. And that was breakneck lightning speed. Well, we're trying to beat that record right now. And I think we're doing all right. Some of the estimates right now predict that uh, the end of this year or first quarter of next year, uh, we may have a vaccine which has demonstrated the ability to combat this coronavirus. And then from there, we look at scaling it up, producing it, and getting it out to those who are vulnerable to the disease. That's every human being. All right? And so the ethical question arises, which is one that we've asked here on this program before. And I'm going to go back to some of the responses that uh, you shared with me. Uh, The question is, who should get the vaccine 
first. Let's first touch base with the New York University School of Medicine, specifically uh, the, the head, the founding head of the Division of Medical Ethics, uh, a doctor named Art uh, Kaplan, medical ethicist, uh, he joined CNN's Michael Smirkanich on Saturday uh, and had this to say about it no longer being a hypothetical debate. We used to debate this as if it would never happen but was theoretically interesting, and here we are. Can you imagine? I mean, this is like Michael Crichton-esque science fiction, you know, uh, where maybe he writes some novel, some fantasy thriller-type novel where a virus makes its way across the globe, and there's a finite amount of vaccine. Who gets it on day one? Who's the most important? Yeah, th- those, are, those are hypotheticals. Not anymore. Not anymore. Art Kaplan with NYU, he went on to uh, further discuss what to consider when looking at who should get the vaccine first. Well, let me set the stage. We're probably going to get a vaccine that's about 50% effective. That's what they're shooting for. We're not going to vaccinate away, uh, vaccinate our way out of this pandemic right away. Um, we're still going to have to live with the virus. So partially effective. Let's be clear about that. And there are folks out there who say, I don't want to take it. And we can come back to that uh, if you want, Michael, in a minute. But I think the right way to go is you've got to address need and protect lives. So you just started a list. And I think that list makes sense. We want to make sure that we may, uh, not only protect uh, healthcare workers, but people who are likely to die or be severely impacted. That means uh, folks who are prisoners as well as people who are healthcare workers. It means extra attention to poor minorities, Native Americans on reservations. They, they've just shown huge risk of dying from this uh, COVID virus. Hmm. You get that? So that's a, remember, a medical ethicist, which is a relatively new title, right? A new thing. Uh, the New York University School of Medicine only recently uh, founded a division of medical ethics. Pretty good timing, huh? But why? Why, why are we looking at this from an ethical perspective? Doesn't it seem like it should be a numbers game? We are able to quantify who is the most vulnerable, and so why wouldn't we just protect those who are the most vulnerable? Well, it's not so simple. Healthcare workers, all right? Healthcare workers are are likely, I should check the stats on this, I'm about to speculate pretty wildly, uh, but healthcare workers are maybe some of the most healthy people around. You know, as a cohort, I would predict that they are disproportionately more healthy. And yet I can come up with a great argument as to why they ought be the ones to first receive these vaccines. Yeah, they're the ones uh, who are, you know, on the quote unquote front lines every day, helping those who have contracted the virus and not just the virus, but other other ailments as well. You know, just because COVID has showed up doesn't mean the rest of the maladies that afflict us as human beings have taken the day off. No way. Car accidents continue to pile up, so to speak. Yeah, heart attacks happen cancer's not taking the day off we need first responders and doctors and surgeons we need them ready uh, to continue to battle uh, the challenges that face us as imperfect mortal human beings so I'd, I'd vote for i'd vote for caretakers i'd vote for first responders and i'd vote for doctors and nurses and all those involved in caring for the rest of us and then I would, oh, here's an interesting one. This one I hadn't considered until I got into this debate over the weekend. 
the test subjects, those who have expressed a willingness and been selected to participate in the vaccine screenings, Remember that 30,000 number I mentioned last week? I signed up for my, uh, myself. Uh, I said I'd be willing to, uh, to be a test subject if needed. Haven't gotten a call back. Probably don't expect one. But the way that test works is that many participants are given a placebo. M- many participants don't actually receive uh, a vaccine, and yet their, you know, their progress is, is, is measured and observed and recorded and then compared with those subjects who actually do receive the, uh, the potential vaccine. I, w- I would make an argument for going back and tracking down all those individuals who received a placebo and giving them uh, a vaccine. I think they deserve it. Or at least they deserve to know whether or not it was uh, a real vaccine that they received. So if you, if you can't bring yourself to, to administer the vaccine to those who put their hand up as willing to participate in the study and were, del- were given a vaccine, then you should at least tell them that it was a placebo they received. And then, of course, I think what many folks agree with is that we look at the, uh, the aged and the high-risk pools, those who are the most likely to die. Uh, so you look at who has died. You look at the groups, the cohorts, the demographics, who has been the most intensely impacted by this, and you start there. I have just a minute left before it's time for a break, so let me look now at Facebook, some of these great responses that I've received, uh, some, uh, some funny ones. Uh, here's one, not me, not interested, not me. Uh, here, here's a response from Hal, those most at risk, frontline workers, pray it's safe. Uh, and another, uh, Karina says, healthcare workers and those in essential services. Uh, this one, I'm guessing, is a little tongue-in-cheek. Government officials, the president, Gates, Fauci, and their staffs, their family members, and children. Uh, here's one from Ted says, Democrat elected officials. <laughs> David, only those who want it. Uh, that likely a reference to the possibility, or at least the perceived possibility, the believed possibility that, uh, that this uh, vaccine might be foisted and forced upon some. Anyway, I don't believe that's going to happen. But I do believe that only those who want it uh, should receive it. All right, uh, quick break. When we come back, we are going to spend some time looking at some of the words shared by uh, members of the family of Zane James, uh, who uh, was the, the, the starting point for the protests of yesterday in Cottonwood Heights. He would have turned 20 yesterday, uh, and his family uh, gathered, and they will uh, share some words on this program next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.